This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. I want to very much appreciate our pastors, Pastor Shola and Pastor Abigail, for this privilege of sharing God's Word with us tonight. It's, it's a privilege I never take for granted. Hallelujah. Tonight I'll be speaking with us about a subject I have titled, A Man on a Mission. Amen. We will be reading from uh, John 21. We'll be reading about the whole chapter. Media, could you help us with that? John 21. And then for the purpose of our discourse, we will be referring to the man, Mr. Christian. Now, Mr. Christian, everywhere we see the apostle Peter, in these scriptures, we're going to replace it with Mr. Who? Mr. Christian, Mrs. Christian, Miss Christian, Madam Christian, etc. And let's hope it's Christian in nature, not just in name. Hallelujah. Now, let me give a little background preceding this chapter. Before this chapter, there was um, the death, the resurrection, and several appearances of Jesus to the disciples. Now, the disciples had worked with Jesus for about three, a little over three years, and they had literally hoped for salvation to come to Israel. Not just salvation in the spirit, but they were kind of hoping for a political Messiah. They were hoping he would physically restore the kingdom back to them. So they had lived through the disappointment of seeing their hopes dashed when Jesus died on the cross. And then they had moved on to a rekindling, a kind of excitement when Jesus arose and um, he had appeared to them severally. And then after the appearances of Jesus, before this chapter, Jesus had appeared to the disciples twice after his resurrection. There was a kind of, will I say, process downtime. There was just a season after all these things have happened. And you know, sometimes as Christians, we, we find ourselves at this place where we have moved beyond the sorrow we felt at the cross. You know, when we came to Jesus, when our sins were forgiven, when we wept, when we were like, oh God, forgive me, and then he forgave us, and we felt such deep contrition for our sins. And then we moved beyond that to the joy. We moved beyond that to the joy and excitement of being born again, of belonging to a church family, of belonging to a house of God, a people, a place where God's people are, and then there was so much excitement, there was so much joy, you know, we were part of God's family at last. It's like everything just seemed to be going on great. You know, you'd come to church, you'd hear sermons, you just, your spirit would just be lifted. You'd hear, you know, good music, rivers of life, and you're like, ah, okay. So there's nice music outside of the club, you know, and you're like, okay. And everything is just happening, and your prayers are being answered. It's, it's almost like you're on, on an emotional high, and everything is happening. 
And then maybe suddenly after that, you just realize that, okay, it might not seem so much like that anymore. It's like, just like Pastor Shola says, oh, okay, let us not look at where we were beaten. You look up and you look at the cross, you see Jesus. Don't look at the place where you were stung. You look up, you see Jesus. Don't look at the things making you fall. Look up and you see Jesus. And here, Mr. Christian, you are sitting in your shop on a Monday morning, and you've sat there for six hours, and nobody has stopped. Even a bird has not even perched on the nepa pole in front of the shop, and you're wondering, and you don't want to look at those things. You want to look up, and you want to see Jesus. And you're waiting, and you're waiting, you're waiting for an alert, because you have a bill that is due in less than 48 hours, and the pressures are real. And you're just, you keep checking your phone, and you're scrolling, and all the alerts coming in, they're only coming in from MTN. And you're just like, oh God, what is going on? What's going on? Or maybe you're feeling so lonely and you're like, ah, nobody cares, blah, blah. You know, you feel so down. Nobody has even checked on me ever since. And then all of a sudden, somebody has said, ah, I've been looking for you. I'm like, ah, victory at last. You say, bro, how far? I say, man, I need a raise. Can you just give me like 2K, 20K? I'm like, ah. Like, what kind of life is this? So what happens at that time where you are not feeling that emotional high? Let's read this together. We're going to be doing a lot of reading, so I'll try and be fast. John 21. I'm reading the King James Version. Okay, very good. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. They were together, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing, and they say unto him, We go also with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, and the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Can we read verse 5 together? And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the sheep, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of the fish. Verse 7, can you read that? Amen. Now, it's, it's interesting to note that Simon Peter, Mr. Christian, was in this place between the resurrection of Jesus and Pentecost. He was between the high points of his life, all the excitement of seeing God's miraculous appearances and provisions, and when he would see another remarkable move of the Holy Spirit in such dimensions that he had never even imagined. And then he looked at himself, and he wasn't exactly feeling this Jesus thing. And, you know, it's just like, oh, after, um, after conference, you know, after a powerful service that just makes you want to stomp, and then you're outside there, and you're hit with all these realities, and you're not exactly feeling these things. But what did Peter do, Mr. Christian? He went back to his his comfort zone. It's not surprising that he went exactly to the same thing, to the same place that he was before Jesus called him. In fact, at the moment Jesus called him, what was he doing? He was fishing. And I mean, 
this is, is so cool that Jesus just gave him a replay of everything because that night he caught nothing again. And look at Peter. Peter says there, he says, I'm going fishing. He just looked at the other disciples and says, I'm going fishing. What did the other people say? They said, we are coming with you. It's almost as if they were waiting for his cue. And you know, it just struck me that at times as Christians, it's like we don't really understand the weight or the intensity of our scope of influence. We don't understand the kind of mandate, the depth of responsibility that God has placed on us as his children. And we don't understand that whatever decisions we make have consequences. Some of these consequences are eternal. Some of these consequences are not just about us, but about the people that God has positioned us to, to draw to himself. So we might just make flippant decisions. Yes, it's true. Not every decision has the same level of consequence. But I can assure you that no decision is without consequence. And sometimes it's almost as if the devil understands the seriousness and the importance of this work that God has called us to, even sometimes beyond what a believer knows. And that is why the devil went straight for Peter and probably made him that suggestion and was like, oh boy, you're just sitting down here. You better come and fish. And you know, that is a tactic sometimes the devil uses. He knows that, okay, if he cannot dissuade you, what's he going to do? He's going to distract you. He's going to give you something very close to what you should be doing. Something you should not at all be doing, but is very close to it. And then before you know it, you are miles and miles and miles away from what God called you to. Yes, when God called Peter, what did he say? He said, from this day, you, I'll make you what? Fishers of, of men. Not of fish, but of men. And what did Peter do? He went back to fishing what? Fish. Because that's what he was comfortable to, with. That's what he was used to. And then he, he couldn't exactly see Jesus coming through at that point in time. So he was like, if this is not working, I know this, I'm used to it, I've done it for years, I should probably just do this. You just think of it, maybe I should just cut one or two corners, maybe I should just, well, I know this is wrong, but I mean, I've been waiting on God and it's not just coming through. Maybe I should just do this. Maybe I should just, you know, get out of this heat, get out of this pressure. But you know, there's this thing, this illustration that um, I want to give. Let me see. Okay, if, let's, for the purpose of this illustration, this is a straight line. This is a straight line. This is a straight and narrow way. And Mr. Christian is this envelope. And now the devil has come to distract him. And it doesn't tell him, for instance, if the devil had told Peter, Peter, why don't you just go hunting? Peter would know, ah, <laughs> get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't tell him to go hunting. Jesus asked him to go fishing. But he didn't ask him to catch fish. He asked him to catch what? Men. So the devil made a suggestion to him. Because remember, if he cannot dissuade you from what God has called you to do, he's going to discourage you, he's going to disorient you, and he's going to try and confuse you. Because you're going to have something very close to the truth, but it's not the truth. And in your heart you know it, because Jesus is the way, the, the what? The truth and the life. So if it is not Jesus, it is not the truth. So Mr. Christian is here with the truth, he's moving on, and then the devil just says, oh no, just a little bit. Just a little bit. And you know, it's not so much. If you look at the angle of deviation, it's just a little. But if you take a graph and project it, where's this line going to end? Way up. Very, very far from the truth. So it looks like a little deviation. But really, it is the beginning of what? The end. 
Praise the Lord. Now let's look at what Jesus did. It's amazing that Jesus did not just leave him there. Jesus was like Peter. You know, he came back. Now let's look at verse 15. Verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than this? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lamb. Let's read verse 16 together. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, what? Feed my sheep. Praise the Lord. I want to point out something to us here. First of all, when Jesus saw what he did, he didn't say, Peter, I caught you fishing. I met you doing the exact same thing that you were doing the first day that I saw you. He just went straight to the point of the matter. And what did he tell Peter? He called him by his full name. If you grew up in a family like my own, when my mother calls my name, she calls all the names, even the ones that are not in my birth certificate. I know that the Lord is about to speak. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than this? You know, this can be anything. I don't know whether he meant, do you love me more than fish? Because if it's fish you want, Peter, he made sure that the fish they caught that day was beyond their wildest dreams. If you remember the first time they caught fish, the net broke. But this time around, Jesus said, no net, you are not breaking. You are bringing all the fish. Peter, is it fish? This is fish. And that fish, I can command it. And if you try to fish without me, they are just going to be dodging. So he said, Peter, this is fish. Do you love me more than these? You know, sometimes we can sit and ask ourselves. I remember at a point in time in my life, I had to ask myself, when I read this, and I was like, do I really love God more than so many other things? Relationships, sometimes your reputation, sometimes your own personal dreams and ambitions. And I don't know how we can ever imagine that a plan that we have thought up for ourselves can be, ever be more amazing or more satisfying than the one who made us, has taught for us. I know some people say, okay, I try to share with them the word of God, and they're like, oh no, I go to church, I just don't want to get too involved, because when I become a gym gym, ah, you know, my life is just going to be one kind, you know. They just feel God is going to put so many restrictions on them, and it just will not work. And then Jesus is asking, do you love me more than these? And do you know one striking thing here, almost amusing, if not for the level of seriousness? Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, do you agape? Agape means do you self-sacrificingly, do you uncompromisingly, do you with everything in you, do you love me more than all of this? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I feel you. It's almost rude. It's somebody, like somebody asking you, Brother Morgan, Brother Morgan, do you love me? And you say, you know, I like you. How, how does, even normally, I mean, you just be like, ah, how? 
I'm asking you. It's, it's almost rude, but that's what Peter said. He said, I like you. I, I like you for the good times. Filio is a friendship kind of love. I like you for the exciting times. And sometimes that is how much we really love God. We love God for all the times he answers our prayers. When we're like, do you know, I just woke up this morning. I had nothing on me. And I just said, Lord, make a way. And as I was going out, I just got a text on my phone. And it said, come to my office today. Behold, I have made a way for you. Praise the Lord. And everybody's screaming. And you say, Lord, I love you. I love you so much. I woke up this morning, my head was aching. You know, before afternoon, it had moved to my shoulders, my knees, my toes. And I got up and I said, with the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. And lo and behold, I just saw a sign from heaven and a flash of lightning. And I just got up and I could walk. And everybody says, thank you, Jesus. And he says, do you love me more than this? Do you love me more than the good times? And Peter said, I like you. I don't know how Jesus felt, but I just said to him, feed my lamb. Lamb is what? Baby sheep. So he went the second time. He said, Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me? He didn't even say, do you love me more than these? He said, okay, let's even leave the these. Do you agape me at all? Peter's mind was strong. He said, I like you. Jesus said, okay, feed my sheep. He now asked him a second time, okay, Simon, son of Jonah, do you even like me? This is like that you are even saying. Do you even like me? And then the Bible says Peter was what? He was grieved. Because I think what he was saying, the reality of it now dawned on him. The first time he said, do you love me more than this? Are you ready to give up things for me? And Peter said, I like you. He said, do you even love me? He says, I like you. He said, okay, this like, do you like me? But Peter was grieved, as in it shook him. The reality of what he was saying dawned on him. And he was like, God, you know all things. You know that I, I like you. He didn't move to love. Stood his ground. Strong man, strong mind. You know? But sometimes, it's like Jesus was trying to get him to move beyond like to love. But Peter was, I can say, sincere. You know, that was the much he could. I mean, he was standing before the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. He couldn't have said anything. That was not the truth. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I had a story um, a while back, and it was shortly after the very horrific bombings that took place in the States, September 11. But it was something that happened on one of the planes, and that was the one that was headed for the capital city. And then... The recording, you know, people started because the first two planes had hit the wall, the twin towers, they had crumbled, and then they had hijacked two other planes. So people were making frantic calls to all their friends and family. When this plane was hijacked, everybody started getting um, very scared, and then they started making calls. And then there was this man, his name was um, Todd Beamer. He was one of the people aboard the plane. He was a Christian man, and there were several other people, different kind of things and positions in life and you know they had stayed together and they decided they were going to re-hijack the plane from the hijackers you know and Todd made a call and when he made that call they said the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23 yes I believe and then he gathered the men together and I, I can't even begin to imagine the 
the courage that must have taken, or the dread, or the panic, or terror. I don't even know what must have been going on in their minds. Because he also called his wife who was pregnant at the time. And after they had said the Lord's Prayer, after they had said Psalm 23, he said to the men, he said, are you ready? He said, guys, are you ready? And they said, yes, let's rule. That was the last thing they heard. Are you ready? Let's rule. And then there was this scrambling. They, they tried to run to the cockpit to take over because they had heard that he was going towards possibly either the White House or the Pentagon. And, you know, they had tried to swerve it. It didn't work anyway. Thank God they didn't hit their target, but they couldn't, re, they couldn't take over the plane. The plane nosedived. It crashed. It killed everyone on board. But the mission of those guys was not accomplished when I read that, I, I started thinking, I was like, ah, how can people love their nation so much? Amen? Amen? They love their nation so much. They give their lives. Do we love our nation that much? No, I, I'm, not, I'm not being sarcastic here. You like <laughs> as a child of God. <laughs> Do we love our nation? Do we love our God? Are we convinced about him? Praise the Lord. You know, it, it's, it's almost, it's, it's really striking. You wonder that what makes people get to that level of conviction that they're like, it doesn't matter what it takes because I have signed. You know, where I work, sometimes there's a colloquial expression people give when, you know, maybe executive management comes up with a decision that is not exactly so um, palatable per se. And maybe somebody's complaining, you know, you just say, guy, better sit up because you have signed, you know. You signed. How many of us realize that when we came to the cross, we've actually signed? Some people, I don't know if we signed or we think that, okay, we can recall this check. The check has gone through clearing. That's cleared. It can't bounce again. You don't understand. You've given your life to Christ. You can't give it. Yes. You've presented yourself as a living sacrifice. You need to stop crawling out of the altar. Every discomfort, every chance you get. It doesn't work that way. Do you understand? We need to get to that place where we love God beyond the good times, beyond the feel good, beyond the excitement, beyond only when we know that, oh, he has answered. Beyond when we say, ah, the Lord has answered my prayers. I will sing praise. I will dance and dance and dance. What when you don't see the answers? Then what happens? Uh-huh. If you call on him and you cannot hear him, so what will not happen? Has he stopped being God? He hasn't. He hasn't. You know, because they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Shall renew their strength. It's, it's amazing. It's like you didn't see when you said they that wait. You didn't say they that wait for two hours, two days. That wait, you didn't quantify it. You just have to pray like David. Answer us early with your mercies. Mm-hmm. Answer us early, oh, because you are the one that lives outside of time. We, we live in time. Our lives are finite. You understand? There's, there's a song I love so much, and when I think about it, it's, it's how I feel about my walk with God. It, I, this, the song has a chorus solo, but I, I'm just going to share the chorus with us. It says, um, I've been invited. It talks about what God has called us into. I've been invited as his son, oh, I... 
have been invited to come and see the invisible, believe the incredible, receive beyond my wildest imaginations. Lord, I've come with great expectations. So every day I have great expectations. I have great expectations of the things that God has said to do. And I know when I wake up that day and I say, God, I know you have great things. I have great expectations. I know I will not be denied. If I go to bed that night and I haven't yet seen the manifestations of those things, I still go to bed believing. I say, God, I thank you. Because even if I didn't see it today, I know you have called me into your glorious kingdom. Hallelujah. The place where you are, the place where things happen, the place where there are miracles, the, the place place where your love makes me whole the place where I am complete that is where you have called me into and if I don't see him the next day I know he will what? he will come, he will show up he will show himself strong because faithful is he that has called us into his marvelous light amen I don't know today if we have decided to follow Jesus all of the way to follow him beyond the good times to follow him beyond the times where we cannot see him or feel him when we know that oh, okay there's the excitement of answered prayers there's the excitement of hearing a word that you know moves you and motivates you and you almost feel as if I can actually feel Jesus and then there's a time when you cannot even see anything what do we do at those times will we hold on to God Will we stand by him, stand by his word and say, God, your word, it cannot fail. Because you said not one dot, not one altar, one tittle of your word will what? Will fail. His purpose will prevail. Amen? His purpose will prevail. His kingdom will what? His kingdom will, his kingdom will come. And his will will be what? His will will be done. So long as we open our hearts, so long as we open our minds to Him, so long as we keep on believing, so long as we do not cease to have faith, God will show up on our behalf. And then just like Todd Bima asked that, those men on board that plane, how many of us really are ready to give it all it takes? How many of us? Okay, there are still some people in the Peter stage. How many of us are ready to give it all it takes to see God come through? You don't have to raise your hand because you, we're in church. If I don't raise my hand, people will say, ah, so it's you. You understand? It doesn't matter. It's not a matter of raising up your hands, but it's a matter of what a decision you have made in your heart. If you haven't made that decision, I want to encourage you tonight. When you get home, just get on your knees. You don't have to prove strong. Like Peter did not say, I agape you when he didn't mean it. He hadn't got into that place. What did the disciples say? Lord, help my unbelief. If you know you are not in that place, just say, God, help me. God, help me. God, be with me. Give me the grace. And I'm telling you, if you call upon him, he would hear and he would answer. This is the word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed.